warmer up here than it is down there. And so uh, rather than sit here and sweat to death, I figured I'd take my suit coat off if you're all right with that. I guess even if you're not. But Ephesians chapter 6 tonight, I'm going to be very, very practical um, with a... I try, to, I try to give you some lessons on the family that'll help. We've got a lot of young families here, and that's tremendous. That's, that is a, uh, it's a blessing. It really is a blessing to have that. And, um, but there's also a responsibility then to make sure that we are teaching on the family and uh, giving you some things that'll be a help. And um, a lot of times we focus on the spiritual side of things, and this is to a certain extent, but very practical on the other, uh, the other, the other side of it. Um, we have been uh, in Shenandoah Mountains the last couple days. We left Monday morning, and so I uh, decided to take just a step back from... It takes a lot, of, a lot of studying to read through and study through some of these different religions and things, and I like to have an overview of the entire thing before I start, and I didn't get a chance to do that uh, with being gone for these couple days. So um, by the time I got into studying a bunch of this stuff out, I ended up with just about as much time into it anyway, but... Ephesians chapter 6, just as a starting point, and I'm not going to give you a lot of verses tonight, in fact, not very many at all, um, but this one will be helpful for you, I hope. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4, uh, of course, you know 1, verse 2, verse 3, but verse 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And that's kind of the focus of this. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And again, it's, it's two fathers. It's, it's for fathers and mothers. It's for families. Um, this, is, this is one of those things. I, I remember growing up when, when, my, uh, when my pastor would get up there and preach on, on discipline, you know, spanking your kids and all that stuff. The parents were like, ah, oh, this is something we need. The kids were like, no, we're going to go home and we're going to get spanked for everything, right? And this may be one of those things that's not discipline, but one of the biggest discussions, I think, in families with up-and-coming teenagers is cell phones. And, uh, you know, kids want them. Parents don't think it's a good idea to give them to them. And even though there may not be a lot of back and forth um, because the kids know better, there's still the expectation that at some point a cell phone's going to be coming their way. And uh, I've said for a long time that my kids are not going to have phones that, that give them access to much of anything. And uh, I said that when they were little, and I still say that now. And I suppose to a certain extent, there's a little bit of pressure um, to let them have a phone and whatever else. But uh, I'm, not, I'm sure it's not exactly what they want to hear, but they already know it's not coming their way anytime soon. And so it's not really a surprise to them. But I want to give you some reasons tonight that you should seriously consider in relation to delaying giving your children a smartphone, okay, I'm not, I mean, a phone is one thing, I'm talking specifically tonight, smartphones, and uh, so let's get into it, I think this will be helpful for you. Number one, when they get a phone, everything changes. I've, I've heard many stories of parents who have regrets in giving their kids a phone too early or too soon because of how the relationship changes and their parental influence really wanes after the kid gets a cell phone. And again, this is, you might want to just take, I, I got six or seven different reasons tonight that maybe you can write these down. And, and these are, this is just a guideline, just something to help you tonight as you consider, because you're going to come across this discussion at some point or other with your children uh, over the course of the time that they're teenagers or, or before that or beyond that. Honestly, I'm surprised at how many parents are giving their kids, you know, iPhones at eight you know, seven, eight, nine years old, and these kids are walking around with phones in their hands, and they're, they're on them nonstop, and I mean, it used to be that it was a teenage thing, now it's getting earlier and earlier and earlier, but I, I think these things, 
will be helpful for you to, as we consider these tonight. But the first one is that everything changes when they get a phone. Um, don't take this the wrong way, but parents whose influence is not strong enough to tell their children, no, they're not going to get a cell phone, uh, often is not strong enough to control that phone once the kids actually get it. And they're not strong enough to keep whatever influence they do have once the kid gets a phone. It doesn't take much looking around to see that kids all over the place are walking around with phones in their hand. We were, we were sitting up there, and, and you're in the mountains. You can't even get service anyway, right? And these guys are laughing because they probably know what I'm going to say, but... Uh, we were sitting at the little wayside restaurant, and, and this family gets out of the car. Little kid, you know, I don't know, five, six, seven years old, jumps out. He runs in front of everybody, runs into the store, you know. And then the mom gets out, and the dad gets out. And this, this kid that looked exactly like the little one, but just like a bigger version of it, comes walking past doing this on his phone the whole way into the store. Didn't even know where he was going if he didn't have somebody that he was following close behind. Otherwise... You know, but you're in the mountains. You can't even get service, and here your, your, your life is focusing around this cell phone. So giving your kids an outlet to go complain about anything and everything you do uh, certainly is, is uh, uh, not really giving you the influence over them that you want and need to have or giving you an opportunity to keep impacting them for as long as you should while they're in your home. Uh, but you have to remember in the whole discussion that you are the parent, right? And again, we, we go back to our verse in Ephesians chapter 6. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It's your responsibility what happens in your home. And you are the parent. It doesn't matter how much your kid whines about wanting a phone. It doesn't matter how much they whine about whatever else it is that they want. You're the parent. And honestly, my kids know the more they whine about something, the less the chances are that they're going to get it. It's just, I mean, um, what the, you, you know what the dangers are. You know um, what the drawbacks are to having the cell phones and everything else. And it's your responsibility to protect them from those dangers no matter how much they whine or complain about it. Now, some kids who get a job early uh, will offer to pay for their own phone because they know they can. Jackson's already brought that up with me. Well, Dad, when I'm old enough, can I, if, I can get my, if I can pay for it, can I have it? No, because it's not about paying for it. It's not that I'm so poor that I can't afford to buy a phone for them. There's a lot of other dangers, and we're going to talk about those uh, tonight, but I'm still the parent. They're still the child. It's still my responsibility as a dad, whether they're paying for the destruction or not, to make sure that I am bringing them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Um, I had several jobs, you know, when I was in high school. I stayed very busy working for several different people, and believe it or not, I survived without a cell phone. Now, that was back in the day when hardly anybody had them. Actually, my parents did. You remember the Nextel phones where actually you could bleep, you know, and, and you could actually use them like walkie-talkies? That was the coolest thing that, that ever came around. And I thought, you know, my parents were going to get me one of these things, and I can use it because now I'm going here and there. And they didn't let me have a phone. And you know what? I survived. I made it. And it, it happened that most of the time they would call my parents and say, hey, can he come over and we need this work done? And I'd, I'd, they'd get it set up and I'd go over there and do the work. And, um, you know, I, and I think every parent can say that for the most part. We didn't always have a phone and we lived. Um, it, you know, and it used to be that, that parents would say, you know, when they get a car, everything changes. And it does. But now we're taking a step back and we're saying, when they get a phone, everything changes. And most of it happens and the influence that the parents have over the children. They lose that influence when the kid gets a phone because now they have somebody else to be their parent. 
this little device in their hand becomes the parent instead of mom or dad. So I think, uh, you know, just know that on the day that you allow your child to get a phone, everything's going to change. Not my kid. Yes, your kid. Everything changes on the day they get a cell phone. Number two, these, this is another reason why at least you should delay it, all right? Phones do not lend themselves to spiritual growth. Um, and again, the cell phone itself is not inherently bad. I'm specifically talking tonight about smartphones and the, everything that comes along with it. Because, you know, okay, if you could get a flip phone that had like, you remember, remember back in the day when you wanted to send a text and you wanted to say stop, you had to say S, S-T, and then you had to, whatever the O was, you know, you had to get to the O. I mean, it was very, very slow, right? And, and if, if that's all you had, then, then okay, probably you're okay with that, all right? But phones don't have just that capability anymore. They're, they come with a whole lot of other things. And, of course, a kid who's trying to convince his Christian parents to let him get a phone will say that they're looking forward to all the spiritual conversations they're going to have with their friends and, uh, you know, how much they're going to enjoy sharing Bible studies with each other and all this stuff when they finally all get phones together, right? Uh, doesn't usually work that way. Every adult who has a phone knows that the opposite is more likely going to be true. Uh, there's so much temptation available at the fingertips of anybody that has a cell phone. And by the way, it's a great idea as a parent, even, for you to have safeguards on your phone, right? Um, my wife has access to any account that I have. She has my password to everything. I'm not try- I've- I don't want to have something that I'm trying to hide from my wife, right? Um, but when you put that into the hands of a teenager, even if you take precautions... And by the way, if you do ever decide to give them a phone, they should not have a phone without a lot of precautions on it. But there are ways around just about everything. And uh, Brother Josh probably knows a whole lot more about that than I do, but there's a lot of people who know how to find ways around any safety net that's there. And they do. They do. Um, the smarter and more technical, te- technological somebody is, the better they are at it. Um, but there are always a ways around just about everything. And that phone is not lending itself to spiritual growth. And by, by giving them a phone, essentially you're exposing them to all the worldliness and the trends of TikTok and Instagram and I don't even know all the other social media things out there. But, but I know enough about them to know that that is where everybody goes to find out what's popular. That's where everybody goes to find out what's in. That's where everybody goes to try to... See what they have to do to be liked, essentially, is what it comes down to. And, I, and I've, I've witnessed a lot of young people over the years with phones, and the trend certainly does not lend itself to the, to, you know, to the kids who got phones becoming more spiritual. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm certainly not saying that there's anything inherently evil about a cell phone, but rarely have I seen it help their spirituality. Number three, phones amongst teenagers often lead to bullying and regret. And again, this is, this is a, a very practical aspect of it, uh, spirituality set aside, but I, I'm certainly not an expert on cybercrime or anything like that, but I follow what goes on, and I know that it's a huge problem, and um, I, I'm interested in the crime world. I suppose that's one of the reasons why I enjoy doing the police stuff, and I know Kevin's probably in the same boat with me on that. I stay up with it. I, I like podcasts uh, about that kind of stuff, just to, just to keep my... my fingers in that at least a little bit and understand what, what goes on in that world and, and so on. But kids constantly getting bullied on group texts and snap, uh, Snapchat and Instagram and lots of other ways. And honestly, if those platforms were not there, then there'd probably be bullying on the playground like there always used to be, right? 
But the, but the difference is that's done in secret. And bullying on the playground, hey, you can hear it, you can see it, uh, an adult can intervene if they notice that something's going on. But what's happening now is these kids are living in their own world. And not only does that open them up to all these, you know, um, um, pedophiles and everything else, but on top of that, what happens is they end up in their own little private world where nobody else knows what's going on. And I know Kevin's probably been on many of them. I've been on a good handful of them myself where teenagers committed suicide because they were being bullied on one of these group social media sites that nobody else knew about. And turns out, once they started going back in there and trying to figure out why did this kid commit suicide, because somebody made fun of them, somebody was picking on them, this happened, that happened, and they didn't feel like they could tell anybody about it because it was in this little bubble that's hidden from the rest of the world. So even if they don't kill themselves, a lot of them are left with scars that last for many, many years, and, and, and some that they never get over. And so phones amongst teenagers often lead to that bullying and regret. Number four, young people are particularly vulnerable to addiction. And this is a serious issue that, for some reason, a lot of parents overlook. Um, and and this, this is bigger than cell phones. This, this, this gets into video games, computer games, um, you know, playing games on the iPad or whatever else. Um, but obviously, addictions can develop at any stage in a person's life. But there's a lot of evidence out there now and a lot of studies that have been done to suggest that, that teenagers are very much more vulnerable to addiction. And uh, there's been a lot of studies, one that I read in particular that was actually very good that explained why kids end up getting addicted. Because most kids, believe it or not, most kids that, are get, that are get addicted to uh, smoking or drugs or drinking, or pornography, or any of the things that they end up addicted to as a lifetime addiction start between the ages of 12 and 14, and some much earlier than that. 12 and 14. And in this, this one study that I was reading in particular, it, it went into explaining how their prefrontal cortex and all this stuff is being formed, and at that age, they don't have the ability to rationalize their decisions, and so they just do things on a whim, and obviously, a lot of these things are designed to be addictive, right? Nicotine itself is addictive. Alcohol is addictive. Drugs are addictive. This social media stuff is addictive. And so it's, it's becoming very increasingly clear that a lot of the algorithms that are built into these social media sites are designed to draw not just people, but especially kids into them, uh, no matter what viewpoints we have for as long as possible. And, and those tools are developed to be addictive. You wonder why you start scrolling on Facebook and you can't get off? They design it that way. It's an algorithm that's designed to keep you there as long as you can. The more you scroll, the more they get revenue from the ads that you see and click on and everything else. Of course they're going to do it that way. And kids in, that teenage, in those teenage years are very much more uh, susceptible to addiction. You give them a phone when they're 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, and they develop that addiction at that time, it's an addiction that probably, unless there's some kind of outside intervention, they're never going to break. And they're going to be walking around at 30 years old, still addicted to that phone and not being able to get off of it because that's exactly how they're designed in these social media apps and everything else. One researcher that was talking about this whole area several years ago compared giving us a, a cell phone to a kid uh, to giving him access to the alcohol cabinet. I mean, that's how addictive 
social media and phones and all of that stuff is. Number five, and this kind of goes right along with that, but social media use is frying kids' brains. Remember back in the day, 90s maybe, even the early 2000s, uh, it used to be that the biggest war in favor of teenagers was the war on drugs, right? Nancy Reagan, this is back in the 80s, go, going way back, but it stayed around for a while. Remember the D.A.R.E. program, D.A.R.E. to keep kids off drugs and everything else. That was the big push because kids were getting addicted to drugs and they were frying their brains on drugs and everything else. There was a lot of years of research showing what drug use does to the brain. And they had a, I know they had an ad campaign, I think they probably still do to a certain extent. This is your brain, this is your brain on drugs, and it just shows you like a, you know, looks like a scrambled egg, essentially. Uh, and so, it, I mean, that's based on all the years of research of what drugs does to a person in, in their brain and everything else. There's only a few years of research on the implications of social media on the brain, because social media has not been around for all that long, especially when it comes to, you know, kids using it and, and especially the developing brains of teenagers. But the early research actually is very troubling in what this social media lifestyle and social media world is doing to teenagers, essentially. But the research is showing that teenagers are being trained to read in short chunks, not being able to grasp any kind of meaningful information. They can't, they can't engage in long transformational reading at all. When's the last time you walked out in public and saw a kid sitting somewhere reading a book? I mean, I used to carry a book with me everywhere when I was, when I was growing up. I, I mean, I love to read, right? And you used to see kids sitting all, you used to see kids at the library reading books and all this stuff. You don't see any of that anymore because they, they can't even comprehend that because everything they have is a short little blurb of, you know, 160 characters or whatever it is that it allows you to do on these social media sites. They don't read books anymore. They don't, they don't, they don't develop social skills Everything is done through a text message, right? They don't know how to talk. They don't know how to interact with anybody because of that. They're losing their ability to rationalize, and what's happening is that is, in turn, making them less happy and more anxious than any previous generation. And all of these things are, are things that have been researched out and studied out, and, and then we wonder why they can't sit in church and pay attention for 30 minutes during a service, right? We wonder why, you know, in order for there to be some kind of youth activity, it has to be fun and exciting and, and exploding with all kinds of everything because they can't pay attention long enough. And so they learn nothing in, in, in a youth meeting. They learn nothing in, um, you know, they can't sit in church, and so they send all the teenagers out of the auditorium to go have fun with the youth pastor who just got through the same thing himself, Right? who still can't keep himself off of his phone either because he grew up in that same lifestyle and he's addicted to it too, right? And then we wonder why our churches are falling apart and why everything has to be a big party scene to keep people coming. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of being facetious a little bit, but, but really I'm not because this is exactly what's happening in our churches. There is, people, when's the last... Kids can't sit down and read through a, a, a commentary to understand the Bible, because they've never had to do that before, because they're, they've got this phone that gives them two sentences, and then they can move on, and read another two sentences about something else, and read another two sentences about something else, and look at this picture from that happening, and this, and all, and that's what they're being trained to do, and social media is destroying their cognitive abilities, and we wonder why we have the dumbing down of America. Social media is doing it, and we're putting the tools in their hands to make that happen. Um, you know, kids have to be constantly entertained or they don't want to do it. Kids have to be constantly, you know, charged up or it's not as exciting as sitting over there in the corner scrolling through some social media post, right? 
there's a, a lady by the name of Jean Twenge wrote a book called iGen, and she says this, in the midst of the pandemic, doctors are reporting a rise in Tourette-like symptoms that they believe may be caused by too much social media use, specifically too much time on TikTok. Tourette's. I mean, you, you wonder why so many kids today have so many neurological issues, right? That wasn't around 30 years ago, right? ADD and ADHD and this D and that D and all that, right? I mean, why is that? I think it has a lot to do with this kind of stuff. And unfortunately, I, I think that a lot of parents see a phone as a type of babysitter, so they don't have to be bothered to have a conversation with their teenagers. And essentially what they're doing is stunting that parent-child bonding time over things that will actually matter in life. They're, they're trading what little time they have with their child for a few minutes apiece. So they don't have to have this conversation, so they don't have to be bothered with their kids because they got all this busy stuff going on in their life. And essentially what they're trading it for is, you know, no meaningful conversations with their kids unless they can pull them away long enough to have one. And once you give them that phone, everything changes, and you're not going to get it back. Number six, and this kind of goes right along with what we've just been talking about, but the development years are critical. The teenage years especially are critical years for teenagers. Um, morally psychologically, uh, cognitively, and spiritually. They are, as teenagers, they are developing what they are going to be as an adult. And that's when they learn a sense of who they are. They learn how to learn. They learn how to develop that moral compass. They learn how to develop their spirituality and to do so many more things. And, and I'll be honest with you, most of the decisions that I made that helped me to become what I am now, I made when I was a teenager. I made it at, at youth camp. I made it in, in, in you know, teen conferences. I made it at those times when I was still developing into who I was becoming. And what's happening now is the same exact thing. You have these youth conferences, and, and, and everybody's on their phones, and, and, and they're not even paying attention, and they're not developing spiritually. And, and if, by chance, God gets a hold of their heart in their 20s, then we're salvaging a couple here and there rather than an entire generation. We're losing a generation because of, of these cell phones. And there's so much research out there into how young people develop, and, and yet there's so little known in terms of how social media is impacting that development. And, and all the initial indications are that it's not helping in the least and that, in fact, it's greatly harming our children as they're growing up. Essentially, what it comes down to as a society is that we're in the middle of a giant experiment, and I, for one, don't particularly care to have my kids be lab rats in this giant experiment of social media and how it affects our kids and their brains, right? I want them to grow up learning how to learn. I want them to grow up learning how to, uh, to be spiritual young people apart from a phone. Your identity is not in a cell phone. Your identity, if you're saved, is in Jesus Christ. You don't need all of that stuff. And not just that, but it's, it's, it's from a purely physical standpoint harming our children. Here's another thing, number seven. Only got, this is the last one, and then I'm going to give you a couple, uh, couple little things as we close. Kids are absorbed in anger and polarization at a, at a time when they should be enjoying life. Some days I wish I could go back to the carefree days of being a kid. Now, I'm glad I'm an adult. I, I don't want to be a kid forever. But sometimes it's it would be nice to just go back to the days when you had no responsibility, wouldn't it? Go back to the time when you could go out and play cops and robbers if you wanted to or cowboys and Indians and you could play as long as you wanted and nobody cared. 
right? There was no other responsibility that you had other than making sure you ate, right? Other than making sure your room was clean when you got to bed, you know, or when you, when you got up in the morning or whatever else. Um, there, it was easy. There was no real responsibility. And what's happening now, and I mentioned these algorithms already, but these, these algorithms in social media are designed to keep you online. And so have you ever been angry at a post that you read on Facebook or one of these other sites? I'm sure you have, right? Have you ever, have you ever been polarized by some news outlet or news story? I'm sure you have. And, and essentially what happens is the same thing has happened with kids, and it's just pulling them deeper and deeper into a viewpoint that's taught them to hate everybody else who doesn't hold that same viewpoint. Now, completely different from saying that we ought to hate sin and everything else. I'm not saying that, well, you know, we should, you know, accept this or that because, you know, it's a, it's a different viewpoint. I'm not saying that. But some people don't even realize that the information they're being fed through their social media posts is tailored to keep them online. And information that other people are not seeing because the algorithms are all giving those people a completely different set of information. And so now you have two people who are completely polar opposites against each other and anger and frustration, and, and that can just be pulled to the surface because anger and frustration keep people on those platforms. So they're keeping them mad. They're keeping them angry so that they'll stay on those platforms. And our kids are being sucked into that. And as they're being sucked in, now they're growing up as angry people instead of getting outside and playing like they should be. They're kids, right? They're going to grow up, and they're going to have responsibilities, and they're going to be adults, and they're going to have families, and they're going to be dealing with all of that stuff for the rest of their lives. Let them be kids as long as they can be kids, right? Um, as, as, much as, it, as much as that is unhealthy for us, how much, you know, how much more unhealthy is it for, for kids? Uh, they don't need to grow up yet. They're going to spend the rest of their lives as grown-ups. Let them, let them, keeping them from that phone just lets them hold on to that innocence and that childhood a little bit longer. And I'm, I'm glad, my parents kept us in a bubble and um, kept us away from a lot of that stuff. And I'm glad for that. I was able to be a kid. I didn't have to be an adult at 12 because I saw way more than I should have seen or, or I, I heard way more than I should have heard or I was drawn into all these adult conversations way too early. And I'm thankful for that. And that's one of the things that our kids are missing out on by being drawn into all of this social media stuff at such a young age. They're, they're not kids. They're, they're grown up at 14, Right? And, and we're missing out on that. Let me, let me kind of close with this. Let me answer some arguments, all right? Uh, because I, I don't deal with it a ton, but I, I hear a lot of these different things. And so, number one, they need to have one so that I can get a hold of them. That's a, that's a number one argument. My, my kid has to have a phone. I've got to be able to get a hold of them. Number one, I, I would like to know how many parents actually really do use that phone to get a hold of their kids when they do have a phone. But uh, be sure you're sending them with people that you're comfortable with sending them with, and you don't even have to worry about really getting a hold of them, right? I mean, we're going, we're going to, the, to, to teen camp here in, or to youth camp here in a, in a few weeks, and they're going to be responsible adults who are going to be responsible for your children. And if you can't trust them to, if you can't trust the people that you're going to send them with, and they have to have a phone so you can get a hold of them 24 hours a day, then you're probably not sending them with people that you should be sending them with in the first place. Um, but you could give them a phone with only minutes and, and uh, texting on it. And uh, that's what we do for our kids. We leave them at home every now and then. We'll run up to the store. Jackson's getting to the point where he's able to kind of stay home with the, with the younger ones, and, and they can handle themselves for, for a little bit of time. They have a phone at home that can make a phone call and can send a text. And there's two phone numbers in it, mine and my wife's. And that's the only thing they know how to do is send a text and make a call. If they absolutely need to, to get a hold of somebody because there's, there's an emergency or something like that, they can do it. 
They, it doesn't have any internet ability. It doesn't have any capability. They don't know any of the passwords. They don't know any of that kind of stuff because I don't want them to be able to have that because it's not good for them to have. Second thing that I hear a lot of times is, oh, it's going to stunt their growth in technology. And honestly, this is one that I have in the back of my mind sometimes. You know, um, These guys have never really been on a computer. Um, they've never been on a smartphone where they can get on there and mess around and play around and do whatever they want to do. And I think, you know what? They're growing up in a computer age, and they're going to get to the point where they're going to be you know, 18 years old, and they don't even know how to turn a computer on. And oh, it's going to put them back and everything else. Do you know that Steve Jobs, the guy who invented the iPhone and the iPad and all of these other things, did not let his own children have a cell phone or an iPad? Did you know that? He said it, was be, it would be way too detrimental for them to have one of those things. They sat around at the dinner table just about every single night and had dinner together. No phones, no iPads, none of those things. And you know what? Steve Jobs, as probably one of the smartest tech minds that's ever, that's ever lived, and maybe he's the one that's responsible for all of this stuff, so maybe we should be blaming him, but uh, obviously didn't feel that it was so important that his kids be technologically advanced that they were never going to be able to catch up. Kids pick up things very easily, and I've learned that. You know, we have an iPad that every once in a while we'll let the kids play some games on. You know how long it takes them to figure stuff out? About 10 seconds. And they know more about it than I do by the time they're done in those 10 seconds. They'll pick it up. They'll figure it out. They don't have to have an iPhone to stay up to technologically up to date and all those things. Number three, and I think this is a big one that, that people fall prey to, I don't want them to feel out of place. Well, I got to get my kid a phone. To, you know, the, everyone else has a phone, so my kid needs to have one too. It's a very weak argument. Uh, we're trying to teach them to be different from the world, number one. And number two, it's better to have them feel out of place than to lose them or subject them to all the harmful things that we just mentioned. I, I ride with officers a lot, and um, you know, we'll get to talking about something. And, and somehow, I mean, I, don't, I can't even tell you how many times this conversation has come up for whatever reason. Oh, I'm talking about drinking or something like that. And I'll say, you know, I've never had one sip of alcohol in my life. Never tasted it. Don't have a desire to taste it. What? You've never drank alcohol? I said, nope. <laughs> and you know what? Almost every single time they say, you know what? It's probably better that way. Probably better that way. They drink. They go to all these different breweries and everything else. And a lot of their lives revolve around that drinking and everything else. But when they look back, they say in their mind, you know what? I wish I'd never started that in the first place. And I think the same thing is true with your children when it comes to phones. If they're being honest, and look, I'm far enough away from it now that I can look back and I can be honest. I'm glad I didn't have that stuff. When I was a teenager, I wanted everything that all the other teenagers had. My parents rarely gave it to us. I'm glad they didn't. Ask me that then, I would never have said that. Ask me that now, I'm glad they didn't do it. Did it make me different? Yeah, because there was other kids that had stuff that I wish I could have had, that I wish I could have done, that, that my parents just didn't let me do. But now that I'm looking back on it, I'm glad they didn't let me do those things. I'm glad they didn't give me that stuff. And this is one of those cases where everybody's got one. My kids got to have one or they're going to feel out of place. You're going to be glad that, they, that you didn't, and so will they. Here's the fourth one that I hear often as well. I, I just have to trust my kid. I know it's probably not the best. They're going to make mistakes, but I just have to trust them to make the right decisions. It's not that I don't trust my kid. It's that I don't trust his flesh 
and neither should you. The same way that I don't trust my flesh. If I put that in his hands and give him the ability to make those decisions, then inevitably he's going to make some wrong ones. And those decisions may be way bigger than he even realizes they are, may even have way more consequences than I realized at the time when I gave it to him. Um, there are plenty of other places and ways that they'll be put into positions where they're going to have to learn to make the hard decisions. The consequences for not making the right decisions in this area are far too dangerous for me to feel that it's worth it. Um, this, this was not a large study that was done by any stretch, but I, I read about one that was, it was actually conducted amongst um, high school juniors. And every one of them had a cell phone that, that had been given to them by their parents. And um, they asked them to be transparent about the issues of cell phones. And many of them admitted that social media has been a very big struggle for them. This is 11th graders, 16, 17 years old. That's something that should not be a very big struggle for a 16 or 17-year-old. Because they shouldn't even have that in front of them. But they, they were willing to admit. They were very open and honest. And the piece of advice that came out as they wrote down in this little questionnaire, and I think they did it fairly anonymously so that, you know, um, it, was, it was not something where they could go talk to these individuals or whatever else. But the openness, more than anything else, was they said, as 11th graders, don't give your kids phones for as long as you can help it. That was, from 11th graders, the biggest piece of advice that they gave in this study. Don't give your kids phones for as long as you can help it. That's a pretty interesting conclusion that they came to. And when you're in 11th grade saying that, then you know it's a big problem because you're trying to do everything you can to convince your parents why you need to keep it. Here's my conclusion that I came to. We can always add a phone. It's very hard to take it away. Um, I obviously don't know everyone in the world, but I don't know of anyone who has permanently taken away a smartphone from a kid that they had previously given a smartphone to. Not that you can't take it away, but what happens so often is if you caved and gave them that phone in the first place, then do you have the ability to go back and take it away from them? Probably not. Um, when, I, when I cut my hair, I don't usually take as much off as I'm planning to take off. I take off a little bit at a time because you can always take off more. You can't put it back on once you've taken it off, right? And, and, the, and the opposite of that is true with a phone. Um, it's easy to give a phone. It will be, I assume, very, very hard to take it away. And so I think it's much better to err on the side of caution for all the reasons that we mentioned here tonight. I'm not saying that you, you know, I'm not, I'm not, your, I'm not, I'm not your kid's parent. You are. You have to make that decision when you think the time is right and when you think they're able to handle it. I am just cautioning you on some reasons why you should wait as long as you possibly can to give them not just a phone necessarily, but that technology because it's going to have an effect on them. And as soon as it gets into their hands, everything changes. Are you willing to deal with those changes? Because as parents, it's our responsibility to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And if there is a tool 
that I can keep out of their hands to help them in that process of bringing them up in the nurture and the admission of the Lord, then I want to do it. And I don't want to give that tool to them that's going to put them in a position where they're going to be compromised or where they're going to fall or where they're going to fail or where they're going to not succeed as a Christian in their life because I put something in their way that became a stumbling block to them. And then I failed in my position as a father to train them up in the nurture and the admission of the Lord. Just a caution tonight. That's all that is. And uh, hopefully some things that you can use that will be a help to you as you're making those decisions. They're going to come. You're going to have to make those decisions. Hopefully this will help you to be a little bit more informed in how you do it. All right? Let's pray. We'll be done. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for practical things that we can use in our lives that will help us to Raise our children for you. That's ultimately our goal, is we want our children to reflect the holiness of God in their lives, and as fathers in particular, but even as, as parents in general, it's our responsibility to raise them for you and to put them on the best path that will get them as close to you as they grow up in their lives. And so I, I pray that you give us wisdom. I pray that you give us discernment. I pray that you'd help us to, uh, to be the guides to our children that you expect us to be. Thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.